following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for our second hour. Joining us this week, Adarsh Meshru, Philip Sexton, Mike Johnson, our host Tom Dupree. This week we're going to be covering the art of compound interest in our Investing 101 series. And I'm sure we're going to touch on some more IRA information. Without further ado, here's our host Tom Dupree. You guys, we appreciate that you all wait in the wings while we do our other show, you know. What does it feel like being in those wings? You know, they don't probably don't hear the end of the first hour to know that that is your little inside joke. And I'm, I'm going to have to mix it up a little bit just to throw you off so that that's just, you know, visualize a plane, with you know, and you've got wings and then waiting out on the wings to come into the center of the All right. compartment. I, mean, it's, it's, I enjoy it. I, I think, like your little wordplay. I think to, to answer that question, though, it really depends on what's going on in the cockpit of the plane. <laughs> <laughs> so what it feels like waiting on the wings. Well, and, and, and who's in control of the airplane, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We just might want to throw exactly that in true. there. You got that right. All right, this is Bach, the music. Concerto for two violins in D minor. Why do we play Bach? Well, Bach is considered the most mathematically precise of of the uh, Western composers, if you will. And uh, we like mathematical precision around here. So we're talking about uh, things that make sense in an investment portfolio. Why shouldn't we play things that make sense in a musical sense? Um, so, I mean, we just kind of bring a little mathematical precision in from the musical side of things. And uh, we're gonna be talking about compound interest and simple interest today, which are 
things that some people regard as the eighth wonder of the world is the the idea of compounding. So, uh, you guys take it away. What do you mean by most most mathematically precise? I was going to ask the same thing. Explain, well, explain that. Time. Okay, if you listen to Bach, he is kind of the master of what you would call counterpoint, um, where you'll have one melody and a, you'll you'll hear the bass line do something, and then the 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 melody line or the or the tenor part, if you if you consider it all as sort of SATB, you know, as if it were a choir singing, the there's a way that the harmonies sort of meld together to make a type of precision that you could compare it to mathematical precision, whereas somebody like Beethoven, who's really considered more of a romantic, you know, it it kind of all it works together, but in different ways. It, it's not as precise, you know, um, as it, it was, let's just say the guitar playing of Eric Clapton versus the guitar playing of Jimi Hendrix. Clapton tends to be more precise in his lines and, and, and does them more neatly. Whereas Hendrix's thing can just go all over the map. Of course they say, Hendrix was a genius and Clapton is more like a just super, super good player, but maybe not quite a genius, you know, um, those kinds of, of, of things. But I mean, I think Bach, I like Bach even better than Mozart because, uh, it just, I don't know, Mozart, a lot of his things kind of have a little bit of a dark quality, certainly Beethoven's. I've been listening to this stuff since I was, you know, 17 years old. So I don't know. I mean, I go in and out of it. Yeah. So, and I mean, that ties in perfectly what we're going to be talking about. But, you know, when you're talking about mathematical precision and, and how the different parts relate to itself, yeah. it's it's no different when you're looking at a portfolio, an investment portfolio. Each of those parts, you know, have an interaction right. and a, a, a point counterpoint to the other ones. Uh, it's, so it's, that's it, what it is. Yeah. Um, so this series is, is about the fundamentals, uh, of investing, um, be it qualified plans, pre-tax, uh, versus Roth, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, various investment, uh, approaches. Um, now we want to talk more on the, theoretical uh on the, on the mathematical part of it um so most basic so see i did good you did yeah i, mean, it's, I, did, it's, I did good did i do good you, you did, I do you, good? You did good. You okay did good. i did good. Did good i did good so the, the most basic uh concept um if you think of interest um a return on your money so you have simple interest and then you have compound interest simple interest is let's say you have something that's paying three and a half percent. Um, you're earning and say you have a hundred thousand dollars in something paying three and a half percent. Um, every year you're earning $3,500 year one, $3,500 year two, $3,500. So at the end of say 10 years, if you're, you get your hundred thousand dollars back, 
plus the interest that you've been paid over those 10 years, you'd have $135,000. Um, so, um, let's say, uh, compare that with compound interest. So compound interest is where your interest earns interest on itself. Um, so keeping the numbers the same, you start with a hundred thousand dollars at three and a half percent for 10 years, that comes out to a hundred and almost $142,000. So remember the simple interest was 135,000. The compound interest would be worth about 142,000. The difference between those. So the rate of returns, exactly the same. Um, starting amounts exactly the same, times exactly the same, but it's the compounding. Now, this is a monthly compounding for this example, but that equates to 8% more than what you would have uh, received uh, as simple interest. So the timing of the, of the compounding can make a difference too. Um, you talk about bonds. Now, bonds are interesting because it, they're semi-annual payments, but bonds aren't actually compound interest. No, because they, unless they're a zero. Right. Hey, explain that. Well, a zero coupon bond pays no current interest. What does it do? It accretes. You buy it at, let's say, 50 cents on the dollar, and at maturity date, you get back 100 cents on the dollar. So the value of it accretes towards maturity, but you don't have to worry about reinvesting the interest payments, uh, because you, uh, aren't getting the interest payments. The value of the bond is going up in, in price as you get towards maturity. Um, versus if it's a coupon interest, you have to re so there's a, there's a, flaw in the yield to maturity calculation. Most people aren't going to get this. It assumes that you're reinvesting the interest payments at the same price that you, and nobody does that. Which, so. which is why zeros move a lot more like equities yeah. in, in terms of right. price. Exactly right. Yeah. You learned something. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we're talking about here is simple interest. It, it's a simple concept. Compound interest is also a, a, a simple concept, but there's a lot of other moving parts to it. So you can have different uh, time frames of the compounding. So monthly compounding. Think of something like uh, some REITs, real estate investment trusts. Some REITs pay monthly dividends. So if you have a stock that's paying a, uh, a, a one time a year dividend and that's say 5% and you have a REIT or a monthly dividend paying stock that's paying 5%, all else being equal, the actual return would be higher on your dollars for the REIT because it's a comp you're compounding your money. You're earning that 5% on your interest or your dividend every month. So the rate of compounding makes a difference over a long period of time. Um, just, just as an example, those two numbers that we had before, you know, 135,000 for simple interest, 142,000 for compound interest that was monthly. If that were an annual, um, 
compound interest, uh, that would be about 141000 So close, but slightly different. Uh, so you can just, you can see the, the difference that the, the rate of compounding makes. Yeah, I think um, a prime example of this uh, is when you're trying to build out a, a rental property portfolio or something like that, where you think of the initial, so compounding is like a, a slow snowball down a hill. So you think of the initial house that you buy. Well, it may take you seven years to, to get to get the mortgage paid off on it. But then now you can go out and buy a second one and you've got two streams of cash flows coming in. So that one only takes five years to get paid down. And then the third one only takes four years to get paid down. And then before you know it, you know, you're getting right. a new house about every six months because of all the cash flows coming in. And right. I, that's the same principle. And, you know, I, I think, um, you know, how, how does a, how does a stock compound? From from that example, because I think that there there are a couple different ways that a stock would compound mm-hmm. in your account. Mm-hmm. Or are you? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm asking. Oh, okay. I'm setting you up to be the teacher here. So you have the the dividend portion, um, but then you also have the stock price. Um, and remember what a stock represents. A stock represents a company. The stock price represents a an assumption of a, of the value of that company. Um, so if the company is retaining earnings, uh, or reinvesting that in their business, AKA not paying a dividend, then they're earning a return on those earnings. Um, so the stock price in and of itself is a compounding mechanism. Exactly. And that's where, you know, when you're trying to, when you're trying to create an investment that either keeps up or outpaces inflation, that's why compounding is so important because it's all you got really over time. And quite honestly, inflation is a compounding mechanism in reverse in reverse. It's a, it's a compounding coming up your backside is what it is. The negative form of compounding. (laughs) I just looked over at Mike and he like vomited a laugh. (laughs) But <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, you know, that is the reason why you should invest is the negative compounding effect of inflation. Right. It's trying. It's it's like a corrosive virus trying to corrode and oxidize, which would mean rust away or burn away. Burning is oxidation. Part of your portfolio, maybe all of it over time. Well, I mean, to that point, let's talk about time and compounding. You know, time is one of the biggest assets uh, that an investor has. Um, So let's let's keep with our idea of compound interest and take look at a couple examples of time. Um, So first, let's say you're making contributions to an account, and you start with zero dollars, and you're making a five hundred dollar a month contribution, and let's say hypothetically it earns 6% every year, uh, for 35 years. Um, so zero starting amount, $500 a month at 6% for 35 years, that would come out to about $712,000. Now, same contribution amount, same rate of return, but let's say you do it for only 25 years. Um, that would come out to 
about 346000 Now, you've made more contributions, the $500 a month contribution, you've made more of those with the 35-year. So right. you've contributed a total of 210000 over 35 years. Over the 25 years, you've contributed 150000 Now, this is the amazing thing. Let's say you start the zero balance, $500 a month at 6% for 10 years. That comes out to about $82,000. And then let's say you stop contributing. We wouldn't recommend that, but this is for illustration. You stop contributing after 10 years, but then you leave that 82000 in to compound for another 25 years. That comes out to three hundred, almost three hundred and sixty-six thousand. You're assuming three and a half percent, right? Six percent, six percent for for thirty-five years. Good luck on that. Well, <laughs> and just for illustration, yeah. um, so with with that example, over those ten years, you only contributed sixty thousand dollars, right? But it grows to three hundred sixty-five thousand. Versus if you contribute $500 a month for 25 years, you've put in 150000 and it's worth 346000 So then, and, and the only reason for that is time. And that's why we always stress on here, the younger you can start, the better. Um, if, if, you know, we, we stress this to our clients, you know, if you have children, grandchildren, you know, let it, you know, bring them in. We'll talk to them. Um, you know, it, 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 it's never too young to start and it's never too late to start. Um, yes. Uh, let's say you start building your retirement account or retirement plan at age 45 or 50, you're going to have some heavy lifting to do, but it's never too late. You're never too young. You're never too old to start this. You know, one of the things about compounding, is it doesn't apply only to money. It applies to other things in life, friendships, relationships, efforts you make playing the guitar. This thing you get at the beginning, you're just jacking around, not really going very far. You keep working at it. Over time, the experiences, one experience begins to compound on another. So the financial element of compounding is it's just a metaphor or a reflection of that same thing happening in life. Your experiences have a compounding effect. I think it helps people if you relate the financial world, which so many people have problems with to the real world or the outside other world, uh, that you can say, you know, if you do a certain thing a long enough time, it begins to really work for you in ways that you don't even see. It's the same thing with compounding of money. That's right. I tell you from a, 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 a negative perspective, uh, lies, you know, lie, then that's lies compound on each other. You mean lies? Yes. Sound like you're saying wise. L I E S. Okay. Lies. You know, and and that's what you you learn that from a very very young age is that. Well, then you got to remember who you told what to. Exactly, and then you got the lie for the lie. 
Yeah. And then the lie for that lie, and eventually it all catches up to you, and it becomes so big that you can't hold it back. Same principle. Sounds like our government. Same principle <laughs> as a as a as a, we talk about that snowball down the hill. You know, you 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 look at this, and for sixty thousand dollars more worth of contributions, but ten more years of compounding, you gain. Three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Sixty thousand, ten years, three hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's that's that snowball you can't hold back anymore. That sucker's rolling at that point. You know, and that's the same same principle in a positive manner. Same thing. Yeah. Well, that's a good spot to take a break. I have to fill a little bit of time. My grandmother used to, because she didn't like the word lie, and I really don't either. She used to call it stories. You were telling a story. When I was a little girl, if not little, but teenager, if I was at her house and she had to tell somebody I wasn't there, I had to go outside. I couldn't be right there. Anyway, that's my version of lies and stories and <laughs> the compounding thereof. I like my brother and my cousin Bob Galling. They used to sit around and say, You're lying. No, you're lying. No, you're lying. <laughs> yeah, that's called projection, right? Yeah. The one that's calling the, the, other the one thing of it was, they both were. Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, on that note, we're coming to you from the Dupree Studios in Lexington, powered by Dupree Financial Group. This is the Tom Dupree Show. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more on the compounding of interest and how it can help you build your retirement nest egg. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You folks look scary. Must need some money. Here's a grant for you. A grant Joe, for you. what are you doing? This stuff doesn't grow on trees. He's not the only one handing out cash. Twelve chances a day to put a grant in your hand. Grand for you. Go take a nap. Come on, man. On News Radio 630 WLAP. In the world of investing, there's a debate about what has value. Does money have value? What about stocks, bonds, gold, oil? A good rule of thumb is that something that has value will continue to be useful no matter what happens in the markets. So that might include things like water, real estate, food, and energy. The paper which trades on a daily basis in the stock and bond markets actually derives its value from underlying assets which perform a function in daily life that is unrelated to the markets. Figure this out and you will do well at investing. If you'd like to know more about your retirement investment accounts, give Dupree Financial Group a call at 859-233-0400 and we'll set up a no-obligation review of your accounts. And be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturday mornings. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. What's all the buzz about nasal irrigation and navage, navage, navage? And should I try it? Here's the science. Airborne germs invade through your nose. It's the body's air filter for trapping allergens and viruses. When your nose gets clogged, it's less effective and germs multiply. 
Eventually, your immune system can get overwhelmed and you get sick. Nasal irrigation is an effective, all-natural way to clean your nose. It's not a drug. It's more like plumbing. Saline goes in one nostril, around the back of the nose, and out the other nostril, flushing out mucus and germs. I'm Martin Hoke, and I invented Navage to make cleaning your nose easy. It's the world's only nose cleaner with powered suction. Navage pulls out the bad stuff so you can breathe better, sleep deeper, snore less, and feel healthier. At Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Target, Bed Bath, and Walmart. Or go to Navage.com for a free gift with purchase. Over 2 million sold. Navage, N-A-V-A-G-E. Clean nose, healthy life. Did you know the arrow in Amazon's logo represents A to Z? Maybe the My Computer Career logo should represent unemployed to employed. Ryan was out of work when he started classes in March. In September, he started his IT career working for... Amazon, making more money than he ever thought possible. Here's a prime opportunity. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You could start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. We've got a mix of sun and clouds taking over on this Saturday. It's a mainly dry day, smallest threat for a late-day shower. We'll see a high today topping out into the upper 50s and low 60s. A warm front makes its way through the area tonight into Sunday with scattered showers and some thunderstorms, 70 to 75 on Sunday. Winds are going to be a big player late Sunday into Monday as a powerhouse of a cold front arrives from strong thunderstorms. Those winds may gust to 40 miles an hour or better, and temperatures turn chilly late Monday. From the WKYT First Alert Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Chris Bailey. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the Red State Barbecue Studios. This is News Radio 630 WLAP. Any company can show you virtual pricing, but B can help you see your home with new doors or specialty windows. See a new door as a statement to your home. B satellite technology lets you visualize your home from your own computer. B can help you visualize transforming your home with a Bayer Bow window. B custom designs at prices to keep our great employees working. Buy six windows, get three free, plus up to 18 months, no interest, no payments. In many years of investing, I have come to the following conclusions. First of all, investing is not speculating. Investments driven by research take a great deal of risk out of the equation. Secondly, investing properly takes time. Third, no amount of time can make a poor investment a good one. We would like to help you with this process. We are qualified to do so. As a registered investment advisor and a fiduciary, we are able to provide you with an unbiased opinion concerning your investments. Call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 for a no-obligation review of your investment portfolio. Also, listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturday mornings from 7 to 9 at News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at www.dupreefinancial.com. 630 WLAP.
That sounds like a great spot for an entrance right there. Like the grand entrance of Team Dupree with the second segment of the second hour. Investing 101, compounding in the sequence of returns. Joining us, Adarsh Meshru, Philip Sexton, Mike Johnson, and our host, Tom Dupree. Um, one thing that I think we should point out, let's say you have a portfolio that has one year it did 10%, the next year it was down 2%, the next year it's up 6 the next year it's up 26 and you go through and you, you figure after, say, 10 years of that, the average return is 8%. But that may be much different than what the compound return was. Mm -hmm. And sequence of returns uh, is everything in calculating performance. And in net-net how many dollars you have after investing for 10 years. If you take hits to the portfolio early in the investing process, subsequent returns don't mean as much because you're operating off a lower base of money. So what we would like to try to do is limit the possibility that you would get hit hard early because it's going to make it difficult for that portfolio to perform well over time. You, you think, um, let's say somebody was retiring in 2007 versus, oh. versus somebody that retired in 2011. Right. Um, even if <clears throat> over that period of time, um, let's say, you know, roughly, uh, let's say that they would have had roughly the av same average annualized return or same average return, but it's that sequence of return. So the person that start that retired in 2007, you know, if they were taking a distribution on whatever they had and yeah. the portfolio drops by 40%, well, if they were taking a 4% withdrawal rate, well, that's now a 7% or 8% withdrawal rate, um, on what there is now. And then that's where you get into the negative compounding. This is, this is one of those bad situations. And another bad situation is just, a kind of a, a slow declining market, uh, for say five years at the onset of retirement. So you have a negative 3%, then the next year, a negative 3%, the next year, negative 3%. Well, Again, that's negative compounding. Well, what I mean by that is if you're taking a 4% withdrawal rate in year one, then you have a 3% decline in your portfolio and you're taking the same dollar amount, that's now a higher withdrawal. And if that continues for several years, that's a bad scenario to be in. Um, and that's the scenario we try to mitigate against and, um, uh, plan for, for, for our clients. Um, and there's several ways to, to mitigate that. Um, you can't time the market. 
no, nobody can consistently time the market. So you say, okay, well, I'm retiring this year or I was retiring last year. You do have some control over your retirement date, but um, let's say, how do you, from a portfolio management standpoint, how do you mitigate that? Um, so you have the asset allocation, which is part of it. Um, so you have, as we call it, layers of liquidity. So you have, say, a cash position, a bond position, and there, there could be several different bond positions, but lumping them together as a bond position, um, preferred stocks, different sectors uh, that you're invested in, uh, different industries, different companies. Um, so layers of liquidity, what you're trying to avoid is being forced to liquidate a holding when the market is down. Now, when you're looking at total return, the total return is made up of price movement and dividends. And so dividends pay play an important role in that as well. Um, so, you know, you have the price of the stock, you have the dividend payments, your interest payments, all of these things, the count, the point and counterpoint back to Bach, that's, that's the interplay of an investment portfolio and how they interact, how the different holdings interact with each other. I mean, you know, when you think about, uh, the, the timing, as you mentioned, um, the sequence of returns. So on the flip side, you know, if a person is younger and if they're still uh, making contributions to their portfolio, then the market decline works. That's right. You uh, got it. In their favor. Very much so. Um, so um, because the amount of money that's going to be put in the portfolio hasn't been put in yet. So you're not crushing a large amount of money under a bad market. Right. So uh, I think... Uh, you know, uh, what's what's most important is, you know, if you are retired, uh, then you should have, I guess, other options where you don't necessarily have to tap into your portfolio during certain, certain situations. One of the options, as you mentioned, is maybe having some cash or bonds that pay interest. Another option could be, you know, having uh, a part-time job on the side. You know, where if the market is down, then you don't tap into your uh, retirement investments at that point. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, it is crucial that um, any sort of return that's been, uh, I guess, achieved in the past, it's crucial not to extrapolate that's that, right. that into the future. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it's also crucial to have other options, whether it be a job or, uh, you know, relying on social security, maybe at that point. Well, I mean, th that, that point you made on, uh, extrapolating out a return, um, that can be very, very dangerous for a person. I mean, what, what you mean by that is you say, well, I've been earning 10% for the last X number of years, and that'll continue in perpetuity or for a long period into my retirement. So I'm going to take, I'm going to be conservative and take 7% because I'm making 10%. Um, well, that's where people can get into trouble. We've seen uh, people come in with that assumption um, where they're, 
making the like you said extrapolating out these returns and that plays a part in what they're uh, wanting to take out and that's when we say you know let's let's be realistic about this well, um, let me give you a real world example on that there was a guy that came in here he had retired from uh let's just let's just say uk i mean you know just for for grins and he had a portfolio of i don't know let's say a, a million bucks and he had been getting uh, 13% a year for years. He said, you know, there's no reason to believe this won't continue. None whatsoever. So I'm going to be conservative. I'm going to take out a 10% return. We ran into 08, 09, where the average stock went down something like 60%. And he continued to take... 10% a year of the high amount, which had been a million, let's call it a million three. That 10% a year got close to being 20% a year of what the portfolio collapsed to. And he could not understand why he was depleting his portfolio so quickly. What I told him was, the portfolio's down to six fifty and it was at a million three, let's say. So ten percent of the million three is not a hundred and thirty thousand anymore. It's now sixty five thousand, but ten percent's too high of a number to take off any base. We're gonna have to knock it back to five percent. So now we're at thirty two and change. And he about, I won't say what he about did. I know he didn't come back. He didn't want to hear that. He wanted to hear how can I maintain my standard of living as to what it was, despite the fact that my portfolio has dropped. One puts oneself in a very vulnerable situation when that happens. And that's why <clears throat> investors need to be very careful um, when you look at a projection that that someone gives to you and they say you can take x percent over your life uh and and they don't give a whole lot more color than that they just say this is what you can take as income here's what you need to ask are you assuming a spin down of my principal many times they are um a lot of times when you know these monte carlo simulations you know that that run um, they're assuming a spin down of your principal. Very, so, very dangerous. Because to your point, what you were just illustrating, that Monte Carlo simulation looks at these, you know, the historical returns and the probability of success. But when you're looking at the sequence of those returns, which is an unknowable, the return itself is an unknowable. Well, the Monte Carlo um, takes into account sequences also, doesn't it? It, it takes into account sequence. Um, yes, it, it does take into account sequence of return, but it doesn't know the future. What's going to be in the future. The future all you're doing is returns. going from the past. Exactly. And all the scenarios under which you would have or would not have run out of money. Right. So, which given is, certain withdrawal patterns. Exactly. Uh, which is not necessarily predictive of the future. You can look at it, but when they assume that a spin down of your principal. That's why we don't do Monte Carlo simulations with our clients here, because 
it, it, there's too much that could go wrong. It, it can it can give someone a false sense of security. Yeah. Um, I I mean, we all of us here. I mean, we 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 like the idea of a Monte Carlo. I mean, the the mathematics are interesting. You know, you know. I know me personally. I like seeing the data points. I like yeah. seeing that. But it's you would like something. Like that. <laughs> But it's it's like a hypothetical. It's what it is. Um, and you know, a hypothetical uh, return is just that. You can get an idea of what it's done in the past, but it does not predict what it's going to do in the future. So people get sold that, especially when people are selling them annuities, and because what the annuity tries to do is to build some sort of certainty around what is a very uncertain process that is sequence of investment returns, right? It tries to build certainty around it. That's the whole reason why people buy annuities. That's why they do Monte Carlo simulations. It's a way of making people feel better about what they're doing. Right. And it, it's, you can look at standard deviations and all these things like, well, you have a 98% chance that the return is going to be between this and this. Well, <laughs> you know, this is my life. This is my money. I'm talking about here. What if this event happens? Um, you know, all these different things you have to take into account, um, for retirement. Um, and, and just for investing in general, if you're young, you're old, I mean, all these things are important concepts. Um, I want, I want to touch one other thing on, um, time value of money. Um, and you know, kind of opportunity cost, uh, if you will. So, and this is a, a foundational thing. Um, opportunity cost is what you give up to, invest or undertake something else. So let's say you buy a thousand dollar television today and you're 30 years old. What's your opportunity cost? So in roughly five years, that thousand dollar TV will be worth virtually zero, uh, just cause technology. Um, but let's say instead of buying that TV and this, this is conceptual. So instead of buying that TV, you invest that thousand dollars for 30 years and you earn 6% on it. That would be worth about $6,000. So when you're, when you're thinking about purchases, you see it as this th good costs X dollars, right. but what does it really cost you? Your opportunity cost. So if, if I could have invested whatever this costs and I earn a positive return on it, that's really your cost. That's that thousand dollar TV really cost you $6,000 over the long haul. Um, another way to, to think about it, say you have your, you need a new car. Now there are needs and there are wants. There are, I mean, everybody, there are needs that we have. You need a car generally, right? At Arsh? Uh, I, I don't, I, I can just walk to work, <laughs> but what but, if you've got to go yeah, farther but you than can't that, walk to um, Indianapolis. Yeah. <laughs> I could rent a car. Yeah, that's true. But well, let, that's let's a need to rent a car. So you still have the yeah, car. You, you need a car. So let, let's, let's just use this example. 
Um, so you buy with cash. We're not talking about financing it, but you buy with cash a $25,000 car or a $45,000 car. They're both transportation. So let's say you buy the 25 instead of the 40,000 or instead of the 45,000, you invest that $20,000 difference for 15 years. Let's assume that's a roughly the estimated life of a car and you earn 6% on that. That comes out to about 49,000. So you saved 20,000 on the purchase, but in reality, that was a $49,000 positive decision on your part. The point I'm wanting to make here, one of the biggest things in compounding in financial life, it's, it's not most of the time, it's not these one big decision things, these, you know, big return things that I, that I made, I bought this one stock and it went to this, or I did this one thing and this happened. It's usually over the course of someone's life, it's making small, but wise right. financial decisions over your lifetime and compounding that uh, compounding those good decisions over a long period of time. That's, that's how we've seen the majority of our clients build the wealth that they've built it's through these small decisions and that's small decisions small like philip bean sprouts hot dogs <laughs> i actually don't like hot dogs either if okay if, bad bad choice <laughs> if you uh you know if you think about uh warren buffett who is the second richest person now i think or third maybe i think elon musk is the richest but who's counting the the reason why he he is as rich as he is is because a he started investing at a very early age at 10 and uh he understood the concept of uh, compound interest in fact we talked about a jason's week article a few months ago where he talks about what's the price of a haircut yeah and uh, warren buffett really wasn't as famous as he is today uh you know, 30 years ago, people in the investment industry knew him, but he started investing at 10. By the time he was 65, he still wasn't that rich. He made most of his money today. He's 90. He made most of his money just in the last uh, two decades because that pool, you know, the impact of compounding over two decades was so significant that, you know, he became all of a sudden, uh, at one point he was the richest person so uh time is a very important factor you start early you keep compounding and if you live to a 90 that small pool can become a very large pool and and you know you think of generational compounding too you know you have parents grandparents that have built something you know they want to be able to pass that on in some form or fashion to beneficiaries where that can compound the you know, generational wealth well, right. and to add right. to that too what you, we talk about how inflation catches up on you on the purchase of things too. This this vehicle example is perfect where in retirement you're trying to offset your expenses. If you were able to compound that savings in a vehicle when you're retired and you need that next vehicle, well guess what? By making that wise small decision, you now have compounded enough money, saved enough money to purchase your next vehicle. Yep. And you can keep moving forward from there. 
All right, let's get more. Tom, you didn't say that this is this song is Classical Gas by Mason Williams. Tom's wheelhouse of music never ceases to amaze. We hope you've learned something today in our another one of our segments, Investing 101, this one being on compounding. Our goal is to educate, guide, and empower so that you can live an enjoyable life in retirement. That is our slogan, and we stick to it. If you'd like to come learn more about your portfolio and how we can help you get on track towards compounding, you can reach us at 859-233-0400. As always, you can find episodes of the Tom Dupree Show at dupreefinancial.com under our radio and blog tab. We appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you next week. In another ad, I ask if money has any value. I'll answer that question by saying that money has no value other than what it can buy. If you've been to the grocery store lately, you know that money doesn't do what it used to do. Investments are good only insofar as they maintain the purchasing power of the money invested in them. In other words, an investment's value is only to the extent that it makes you more than inflation takes away from you. If you'd like to have your investments examined by our team in order to discern whether or not they can keep up with inflation, call the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturdays at 7 a.m. or on the podcast at dupreefinancial.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at dupreefinancial.com.